before my marriage, my relationships involved dolls. Yeah. And <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I was so young. <laughs> I'm good. Great. Um, Well, welcome to What the Hell Podcast. I realize that a lot of times we don't actually say the name of our podcast. Oh. We say a lot of times like, hey, welcome to episode... You are right. But a podcast is not called episode. No, I don't. I actually think in almost all of our episodes, we have not... Maybe one and two, but since then, we haven't been saying it. So welcome to What the Hell Podcast. Yes. Hosted by Brittany and Tiffany. That's right. We're happy you're here. Um, And today, we're going to be getting right into it. Um, Unless you want to Yeah, no, right into it. Let's just get into it. Um, Yes. And today, we're going to be talking about why the hell did I get married so young? Yeah, the people have spoken. This is what they want to hear about. They do. (laughs) They do. We've been kind of beating around the bush on it, I think. And um, it's a huge part of our stories and our histories. Yeah. You know, just, just the people have spoken. They have. And I think we mentioned it maybe 500 times in the first two episodes where I'd be like, you know, we got married as children. I was a child bride. All these things. (laughs) But we'll we'll talk about it in the future. (laughs) So here it is. It's happening here and now. What a horrible thought that is, child bride. (laughs) I I was not a child bride. I mean, in a way, it feels a little bit like that looking back, but I was not an actual child bride. Well, if you can't drink at your own wedding, you might be a child bride. You know, that's a good point. (laughs) It is a good point. In my second wedding to the same husband, hopefully... We will drink at our wedding. Definitely. So, <laughs> that's people, the plan. Well, everybody else drink at my wedding. They had like a, um, people had uh, like a tailgate in the country club parking oh, lot. Oh, yes. Very cool. That's awesome. Very cool. I wish we knew each other back then and I oh, could have man. come to your wedding. Girl, it would have been a good time. Yeah. But before we really get into the questions, also want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you have not subscribed already, click that subscribe button. Please. And if you have five seconds, we would appreciate a review, even if you're just saying something like, love you guys. You say whatever you want to say. (laughs) Say all the flattering things you want. Yes. Love it. (laughs) You know, and if you don't want to do that, hit the five star. And I will be honest, I am an avid podcast listener. I know. And I'm terrible about this so I realize I'm asking you to do something that I need to be better about wow so I'm challenging myself to go to all the podcasts I have not done this for and do it (laughs) classic hypocrite yeah classic Christian hypocrite just call me out girl just call me (laughs) out um but I would appreciate it because you know what we love doing this and we'd love to continue to do it to do this and want to help you help a sister out help a brother out share the podcast maybe this could help somebody just by you leaving a review exactly yeah let's be all communal about this love it yes love it so we're talking about something well depending on your perspective is moderately heavy but um before we get into everything i just want to say from my side of things um a little disclaimer preface that everything i talk about is going to be my own perspective. It's like, you know, when you read a book and they're like, any likeness, real or otherwise, in this book is, you know, a conjecture of the author. And (laughs) anyway, 
Um, that's kind of the thing. Anything I talk about, whether I say we or us, that's still my perspective of what I thought at the time was true for what was a we and what was an us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my ex-husband may have a different perspective. He likely does. Um, but that's at it. You know, I'm almost five years out from my mm-hmm. marriage and, um, my perspective has actually shifted a lot during that time period too, because you look back, they say hindsight's 2020, you look through things with rose colored glasses. It depends on the day for me. Yeah. Um, but I just want to kind of put that into the universe totally. that I am speaking for myself, whether or not I say we, us, things like yeah. that. And I mean, I think on this podcast as a whole, we're hoping to tell our stories and we realize that that involves other people and we do our best to try to keep that in mind that even when I talk about Curtis, my husband or our family, that, you know, this is is to our best retelling as we can Mm -hmm. or explaining as we can, this is our perspective and right. based that on is, our experiences yeah yeah totally so, yeah we may speak um about and seemingly for someone but that's only based on our perspective of what, what we thought may have been true yeah so and we were 20 and we so. <laughs> <laughs> little babies yeah yeah so all that said uh yes. let's sort of kick it off with tiffany let's um do you want to give us a little background about Ooh. how you ended up getting married <laughs> at the young age of 20 the ripe old age of the 20. ripe old age of 20 yeah. and I don't know just give us a little background on that yeah. relationship how you got there yeah so well to begin with my parents both got married at 20 to each other okay okay um, they were married at 20 and there was never anything um in our family or surrounding it strange about that mm-hmm. especially when you're a little kid 20 seems old it does <laughs> so you hear oh my parents get married at 20 it's like you're 10 that's double your lifespan yeah so it never seemed strange growing up but that said I never thought I was gonna get married at 20 that was not um something that um they encouraged or wanted me to do mm-hmm. or my parents were very like if anything they just wanted me to do what I wanted to do but they wanted me to go to college and I had that feeling even though it wasn't um, overt and I did go to college, but, um, I, I was not allowed to date. Okay. So I only brought home like to my home, I think two boyfriends during high school. I had more, (laughs) quite a few more that my parents may or may not have known about. So I took care of that on my own time. Didn't let them know as much as I could, um, hit it. And then my last high school sweetheart who became my first husband yes um and only husband he um was well liked by my parents because I had known him for several years before we got married through Mm -hmm. high school things so they had known him through the programs that I was in the theater programs and all of these different things and they knew his parents because of that and they were the same denomination of Christianity as Mm -hmm. us so that was a plus for them yeah you know he's a good Christian boy so he's fine you can date him and um we really like loved each other. Yeah. I mean, we started dating a month before we turned 17. Okay. For the second time. He was yeah. my boyfriend for one month in the summer of our freshman to sophomore year of high school. But I broke up with him then. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which was its own thing. He like, I guess I broke his heart. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. He got the last laugh. <laughs> oh, no. You I don't want to laugh at that. You have to. Okay. I, so to be clear on this too, I have a really dark <laughs> sense of humor. 
I do. You do. I do have a dark sense of humor. I would not say as a whole always, but when it comes to this This topic, you do. Yes. I do. I have a dark sense of humor when it comes to this. It's a coping mechanism. No, totally. For sure. But it's also, there are funny aspects of it. And I've never even thought of that one. That like, I broke up with him first, but he did get the last laugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he really put the nail in the coffin yeah, on us sure um, yeah okay. but anyway I'm skipping I'm skipping through things here but we did get married young he proposed when we were 19 yeah um and I had had a few significant boyfriends before that I mean I dated one guy off and on for over two years yeah um before him and um with him though the thing about it was I cared about him so much I loved him so much but it, it felt right to everyone else and yeah. that is so... That's very interesting. Powerful. Very powerful. When you're in a religious environment, too. It's yeah. like, oh my God, you're okay with this? I don't have to hide things anymore? Yeah. We still hid things. And you want, like, yeah, <laughs> but you want approval from everyone. Yes. I mean, I think as a whole, in society, that's a natural thing to of want. Course. But I think it's amplified... Amplified. Amplified <laughs> uh, tenfold when you're in the church, where it's just yeah. like, if they approve then you're good to go. Totally. It's like, oh my God, I got my gold star. We're good. Like, let's just move forward. Yeah. Um, Which is true. But that's kind of the background of like pre that relationship, which went on for 11 years. We were together for 11 and a half years. Um, Dating and married? Yeah. Including dating and marriage. And I I mean, I, well, I don't really know him anymore, but like up until that point, I had known him then for 14 years. Yeah you know, half of my life by the time we broke up at 28. Um, so that's like the background of mine before I go into the details of the actual marriage itself. So what is, what's the background of yours? What got you to the point of, okay, we're going to get married. Okay. I'm going to answer that, but sorry, real quick. You said you got engaged at 19 and then got married at At 20, at 20. Okay. Yeah. We were engaged for 15 months. Okay. Um, the background on mine. So Curtis and I, I mean, I met him a lot, like, when I was very young, like I remember meeting him at like eight years old, but that was because we basically were both missionary kids in South Africa within the same denomination, which basically means like your parents worked in the same company. There were like, for lack of a better word, like mixers throughout the year <laughs> or events where we would like, sounds saucy, Brady. we would see each other. Um, and at some point I met him as a kid, but like we weren't, we didn't really know each other. I just remember meeting him. Um, fast forward to high school, basically we, uh, at one of these sort of missions get togethers, which was normally like over a weekend or something, we became friends and, um, he lived in, at one point in Namibia, which is the country just above South Africa. And then another time lived in Durban, which was still like six hours from where I lived. And basically we became friends and started, um, talking over email and texting and it basically turned into sort of a long distance relationship mm-hmm. I mean it seems so silly not not silly but it's it was like right at the beginning of sort of texting and email and you know it, yes at some point it turned into dating but like in the realm of like we never see each other so we're sort of committed in a way that was we weren't really dating other people, although there was a couple of times where I didn't realize we were like official, official, and I did date some other people. Wow, Brittany, wow. <laughs> Still to this day, it comes <laughs> up in our relationship, but um, we dated, and uh, he would come visit me. I'd go visit him, so it was all long distance, so it was a kind of a different way to date 
in high school. How far was long distance for you guys? Like six hours. Oh, wow. That's really Yeah. Far. So we really, we never saw each other except for when we would like make the time to go on like the holidays and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we, uh, basically when we were going to college, so, you know, I, I graduated at 17 in South Africa. The school system's a little bit different. And we were basically heading, planning to probably head to the same college. We were between a few. I was torn because I really felt like, I mean, I was 17, but I felt like Curtis was probably who I was going to marry. And I don't yeah. know why I felt that way, but, um, but I didn't like that I felt that way mm. at some moment. So that's why I broke up with him. And I was hearing, like, I heard my dad, my dad always loved Curtis, but I remember back in that time, him just like, not even in anything to do with Curtis in a bad way of just more like, do you want to be committed to someone before you go to college? Just kind of asking me some of those questions, which I think were good things to ask at the time looking back. That is a good question because I feel like my parents' question was, don't you want to be committed to him before college? No, I think it, it actually made me kind of stop and I was confused by it. And so basically we went to college, ended up at the same college, um, and for the first like eight, nine months, we didn't date and we both dated other people while we were at the same college. And at some point we just, I, it, I basically reached a point where I was like, no, I feel like I'm supposed to be with this guy. I mean, I was mm-hmm. 19, yep. I was 18. Um, and so I don't know, something came over me. Actually, my roommate at the time at Evangel, she would hear me like rant and rave about Curtis, but I was apparently like not into him. And she was like you should go talk to Curtis. And basically I at some point went and talked to him and was like, we should get back together. And, but I said, I'm like, if we're going to get back together, this means like, that's it. This is it. Yeah. Like I was kind of like, if you want to get back together, cool. I I can still see the conversation and it was so unemotional. Like it was just like, look, and this is me talking to him. I was like, look, I love you. And I do want to be with you, but if this is just going to be, like, a thing and not go further, yeah, then, like, let's just say goodbye. Yeah. But if you think there is a part of you that thinks this is going to be something long-term, then I think we need to keep having this conversation. That's and that really was, interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting because um, before my ex proposed um, to me, he told me when I proposed, I had decided either we were breaking up forever or we were going to be together forever, which is mm. kind of like what you said you yeah. said to Curtis. Like, it's got to be yeah. this way or the other. But he made that decision on his own and came to me and proposed. Yeah. But, like, I, I was there for it. Put, I don't know if I'd put that together. I think you've told me the story, I'm sure, before. Yeah. But that it was, like, following a sort of breakup and get back yeah. together. And then, like, very shortly. I think it was, like, a one-month breakup. Wow. And yeah. our families were stoked. Yeah. And if they, to us, if they weren't, they didn't tell us. Yeah. If they had questions about it, they did not um, express those concerns to me. Yeah. I don't know if anything was expressed to him. Yeah. But like he also comes from an extremely level-headed family, even though they're fairly religious as well or spiritual, whatever you want to call it. Like I don't have any knowledge of them trying to like talk him out of it or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, they, from my side too, I don't, I don't have any memory of that. Like, I mean, I think what was weird with our relationship was that college was the first time him and I actually spent time every day together. Right. We had been in six a long, hours apart. Yeah. yeah. 
And so I'm trying to remember at some point when we were dating, we had basically established like, oh, we got back together. We are aiming towards building this relationship and we're going to stick with it long term, getting married. Then we went back to South Africa at one point to see our families that were both there at the time. And I think it was that on that trip that he asked my dad for permission to propose. And yeah, I mean, I... I don't think any of our parents had any, as far as I know, not that I've been told, um, had any hesitation about it. If they did, maybe they told Curtis, but I haven't heard that from him. Um, And I mean, in a way it makes sense because that I think was the expectation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's the whole thing, I guess, kind of jumping into other questions we have is going for them. It was sort of like, Number one, it was what they did. So it was what they understood. Yep. And it Same was with my parents, it was 20 common. Years old. It, it was familiar to them. But on the other hand, it was like, I mean, premarital sex, <laughs> you want to keep your kids like on the right path. And if this means like this is who you want to be with, then let's yeah. get you married. And I don't know. I know I'm jumping the gun on that. It's getting a little further down the I road. I don't, I mean, I don't, I think that's like a huge part of it that it's fine to talk about now because, um, we, uh, both coming from religious families too, knew that we, it would not be okay with our families for us to live together if we weren't married. Yeah. We knew that. Yeah. And, um, I think to both of us, we felt like we should agree with that, that we felt like we shouldn't want to live together either. I think deep down, we probably wanted to live together without necessarily getting married, but we knew it would never fly. Did you ever have the conversation with him about we had doing conversations? That? No, we from what I recall, we had conversations about our future. We want to live together and we would love to live in this area and maybe we would go here and we talked about yeah. like New York, maybe we go to Chicago, maybe we would go to LA um, and all these things, but it wasn't in the context of when we are married. We would just talk mm, about it. Okay. And then I think it became on some level clear that like, okay, if we're going to go away to college, cause we did two years of local college and then we transferred yeah. um, to state college, uh, saved a little dough y'all. <laughs> um, but we, I think knew that it was just never going to fly to live together once we moved away yeah. to a different place. And he was in the place where he was like, either I'm going to break up with you forever or be with you forever. I think he was very in a certain way confused. And I was young enough to be okay with that confusion because the confusion led him to me yeah and you were you know in love I mean? and you wanted totally yeah you wanted him so yeah exactly yeah you really were I mean we had like a rough couple months but like after that I don't recall falling back into like our pattern of fighting and things did he uh ask your dad for your hand in marriage yes he, he did. did my parent he took my parents to dinner at Sunny's barbecue okay <laughs> it's so I good. know that's such a I feel like we keep saying that could be a whole topic but it's like yeah it's interesting because there's a part of me that is like I get that that's a old school thing yeah and totally I understand that but there is a part of it that's very sweet where it's like oh I love it I think it's so sweet I know I think it's sweet too even now like I I, I don't know that I agree with the idea of asking for permission sure so much as you know I would love to have your blessing like I'm intending on yeah you know asking your daughter for it. her hand mm-hmm. in marriage I yeah. would love your blessing and that was a huge thing with um my ex-husband too was he was especially in our younger years like romantic as hell. I remember a girl I worked with at the law firm, she she would call him Mr. Romantic because yeah. he was always doing something. He was always sending me flowers. Like on our, um, it was our first or second year dating anniversary. Um, I'm a heavy sleeper, which nothing yeah. has changed. 
I know this and, about you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I obviously still love my parents and we're still kids. I mean, our first year dating anniversary means we were 17 about to be 18. Yeah. And like he snuck into my, he went to my house. My parents were there and he had them help him. He snuck into my bedroom and covered my bed while I was in stage four sleep. <laughs> comatose. Comatose. Covered my bed in roses. Oh put balloons, helium balloons all over my ceiling, had like this huge basket filled for me with full of gifts and waited for me to wake up. He waited like two hours for me to wake up. <laughs> that sounds about right. To, yeah. So he, I think he probably got there at like 8 a.m. I probably didn't wake up till 10 a.m. or something or maybe got there at 10 and I got up at noon. Yeah. Who knows? But he was very extravagant when we were younger. Yeah. And like for a girl who... um loves I still gift giving is a huge language for me to get that kind of attention I was the youngest of four we had yeah, no money was huge and my parents did things but like especially from like a love interest I felt like and he when we were younger he always called me princess mm. and he intended to treat me like one Interesting. it was intentional yeah. and I ate it up yeah. I loved it yeah so when he came back after all this fighting whatever and proposed I was like yeah, I'm in. I love this yeah. guy. Yeah. I that like we just sense. had some like rough patches, but that's normal and but I love him and I yeah. know I knew he loved me yeah. even though he, clearly he and I both were probably confused cuz how can you not be confused at 20? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. How long were you engaged for? Uh 9 months. Okay. 9 months, but only because I mean the proposal, the engagement, all of that was entirely, um, what's the right word? Like the timing of it was, it wasn't out of our hands, but it was entirely, entirely based upon when our parents mm. were going to, were planning on coming back to the States because they lived in South Africa. Yeah. We were going to get married in America somewhere. I think we could have gotten married earlier or later. And it's interesting, like you talked earlier about the living together thing, like, that yeah. didn't even cross my mind. It wasn't even, like, it wasn't even a thought because that would have, all I had ever heard growing up, and it's sort of generalizing, it's my perspective, is that that doing that is, like, asking for a divorce. It's, like, you will get divorced yeah. if you do that because you're going to fail. Yeah. Well, there's, th that was always the thing growing up for me too. It was like, oh, that's the worst thing you can do is live together before you're married. But like, unfortunately, the statistics kind of show it too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Cause like, I, I mean, it's probably if I'm going to, I mean, getting into regrets and stuff, I, I, it's a hard thing, but it's, it's such a weird time because I even think back to when that conversation I was telling you about with Curtis and telling him like it's either like if we're gonna break up I mean we're already broken up but like yeah. expressing my feelings there's times where I think back to even our getting back together in college and moving towards getting married and knowing my personality more the older I've gotten understood myself I'm like oh did I just pressure him into getting married because I was such a like goal-oriented person at the time mm -hmm. and was like oh it makes sense we'll go from this to this and that's what we're gonna do right. and like Curtis and yes I, I don't want to speak for him I'm just speaking from what I know and yeah. I've known him for a very long time is like he he loves me and he wants to do what I want to do and I think he did want to get married too but like 
I will say the conversations about moving forward in relationship in terms of marriage, my memory, and maybe it's different for him, is very much me moving that forward. I feel like I'm having this epiphany like right now was me sort of, and not not against his will at all, but it was sort of like the planner in me. And it's like, oh, we're going to do this and do that. And like, I'm sure he felt some kind of pressure of like, you know, we knew we were going to get married and it was just waiting for him to propose, which was a weird thing of like, he yeah. didn't propose out of the blue. I knew it was coming. Okay, we it's already, a matter of when, not if. Is oh, yeah. We already knew it, we were probably getting married in December. And it was like, when is he going to officially propose kind of thing? It was like a different yeah. way of doing it. So that, yeah, it was kind of interesting. That is interesting. I don't know. It's a different perspective now at 33, looking back at Brittany at 20. But it's funny because knowing myself now at 33, I can see the behaviors in the 20-year-old Brittany or 19, 18-year-old mm-hmm. Brittany. It didn't make sense then, but it makes sense now. But all that said, like, both of us eventually ended up getting married at 20 years old. Yeah. Like, why do you think that you felt like that was something you wanted? Um, I think there were a number of things involved, but I think one of them was I uh, desperately wanted security. Yeah. Um, whether I was honest about it or not, but I think I somewhat was honest about it because in a certain way I saw him as like my way out of the pain of my childhood. And he did too. He would say that to me all the time. Like, I want you to never feel the way you felt growing up. I want you to feel safe. I want Mm. you to feel provided for. I want you to feel um, taken care of and not abandoned and all these things. Um, He said those things to me too. It wasn't just what I craved. I was being told um, that this person wanted to give me the things that I wanted because from my childhood, you know, we all have these things, which I don't even know they were a thing until much later, Totally, like childhood wounds and family histories, all these things that affect who you become. Um, we had a roundabout awareness of them, but he was like speaking to my soul. Like I want to rescue you in a sense. Yeah. And for starters, is rescue not one of like the biggest tenets of Christianity? Like I agree. Yeah, I think what so. is Jesus here for? Is yeah. like to rescue us from our sin, from our pain, from our past. All yeah. these things. It's still the message that a lot of churches are are telling and sending. And I don't know that it's untrue. Like you know, whatever. But um, he, in certain ways, was like he was my Messiah. Yeah. In a certain way, where he was saving me. Yeah. And he came from such stability. And such um, a happy, normal family. And I craved normality. Mm-hmm. I craved, like again, I said security. And when somebody comes to you and says, I love you and want to give this to you, I was like, great, cool. I don't have to do extra work. I don't have to go out into the world to find, you know, do the work of finding a life Preach. partner. Preach. That was huge for me. I was like, mm-hmm. I like you and I love you. I could do this forever with you. Like I I want at that age and I wanted to. Yeah, totally. I like you. I love you. Want to do this forever. I couldn't imagine my life without him and I didn't want to. Yeah. So I think those were like the biggest driving forces besides the whole thing of the expectation of, well, you can't live together. You can't have premarital sex, like all these other elements. It was like, cool. You don't want me to do that. And he's promising me the world match made in heaven. Let's go. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I totally 
hear that everything your you're saying. Yeah. That was my experience too. I think it, it was like not something I could have put into words at the time, but I no, we can need to hear that. That's that's my jingle. jingle. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like at the time, what you just said about like it was like such a practical yeah solution. It made to, sense. Yeah, it was like this makes sense. I don't have to you know, even though we were broken up for a little part of college and I dated a little bit, it was like, no, this is just so much more complicated. This, you know, Curtis is what I know and I love and like this makes sense. And I think a big thing for Curtis and I, and I I think this even now, like had I not gotten married until 30, 33, is our similar upbringing, which like we have not only the denomination, we have we were missionary kids. It's like such a specific thing. And I remember the, a few of the guys I just went on dates or dated in college. I knew then that like that was either going to be a part of me that I had to accept. Nobody was going to understand unless mm-hmm. I ended up with somebody that was either similar or had, I don't know. And that was significant to me at the time. Yeah. I don't I, I and mean, it probably still is now. Like we share so much history. It that is defined who I am today, yeah. you know. So, I don't know. I I I think if I'm going to answer that a little bit for myself, like did I want yeah. to get married at 20? It made sense. Like I didn't I really didn't even question it. Right. And I, there's something to be said about that too is there are many kinds of 20-year-olds. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, from what we've talked about in things, we were extremely level-headed for being 20. I agree. We were stable, go-getters, reliable. Like, what what 20-year-old do you know who's reliable? We were those things. We were self-sufficient as a whole. Um, obviously, more help comes into play than you realize you were getting at the time when you were 20, for me at least. Yeah, but, no, um, totally. People, I think, looked at us and go and looked at us and said, these aren't like wily children. Yeah. These aren't fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants kids. I think they were excited about our gross word union they yeah. were they were excited about I, it i agree i um, agree our friends were i had a couple of friends who thought i was crazy because they were still like being wild college students but like that wasn't my experience and then what's funny is the the certain friends who thought i was crazy for getting married at 20 got married at like 22 23 yeah i'm like cool big difference yeah but apparently I don't, statistically maybe there is but i don't have i couldn't like i when we were sitting down and i was writing some of the things i wanted to touch on tonight like I can't, like, if somebody remembers telling me something or warning me or whatever, I have zero Mm -hmm. memory of anybody. And I don't even mean this in a bad way. Like, everybody was super supportive. Everybody was supportive and excited. Yeah. Yeah. And even looking back, we say all this now and I feel like you're waiting for the, like, dun-dun-dun, but, like, that was the the worst thing ever. And I'm not going to say that it was the worst thing ever. I just think it, it... causes me to question like why nobody was maybe stopping me and going uh-huh. look I'm not saying this is bad but like I want you to take a step back and look at this like but I think from the perspective of say again I can't speak for my parents but my perspective of what was happening at the time and for people surrounding it was like it felt like if so much of this was about sex and like not not they would never not getting pregnant. I mean, that seems a little extreme to say, but I think that was a factor of just going, these guys are in love. Like 
you know, we want her to be virtuous or whatever. Yeah. And so like, if they're going to do this and also for my parents too, they got married not as young as I was, which is funny, but still younger. Um, it was familiar and it makes mm-hmm. sense and it made sense to so many of us at that eight at, in that generation yeah um well i think if they look at it maybe they looked at it and were like well this is the best alternative like it's if it's going to be this or they're going to go live together in sin and whatever mm-hmm. this is the best alternative totally. and so we need to be supportive of it i agree potentially at least that was my perspective of it yeah and i don't know i guess i've never sat i've never asked like hey were you concerned about this? Like I may have at some point knowing me cause I, that's, I am that kind of person that asks those kind of questions. But I think if I were to even try to speak mm-hmm. for them, it would be something like you, I seemed very confident at the time. And I was, I didn't question it at all. Like yeah. I was like, this is the right thing, you know, and being married 13 years now, like I, it's, there's been very few times and I feel very fortunate that where I have questioned it and it's like it is a little crazy that we got married at 20 I I can't even imagine it now with my kids but that was just the norm then and it was the culture it was like the Christian culture mm-hmm. and and I think yeah. too like the people that we picked at the time too like my parents loved him yeah. Like they were like, this is a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> they loved him. He not only did he um, have this perspective of like rescuing me, at least from what he said and yeah. spoke to me and things yeah. like that. But I think in a certain way, my parents saw him as doing the same thing um, for them. Like, oh, one of our kids, significant others, like we, he's great. Like this is a good one. Yeah. We're excited about this one. Totally. You know, he comes from a good family. He's level-headed. He's smart. He's he always been funny, like all these different things. Um, he's respectful. Like they enjoyed him and loved him too. So yeah. th- I think they were like awesome. Like she just hit it out of the ballpark on the first round. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think, yeah. I think that's how they felt. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think, I know we've touched on it a little bit. You said your parents got married super young. And my parents did as well. I think they were 23, mm-hmm. 23, I think they were. Um, but do you think that getting married young is a generational thing? And like, are you know, we're seeing different things in society now. But looking back, I'm like, did we just do what we did because our parents did it? Or yeah. like, well, yeah. I think, yeah. So I think that that would be more of like a cultural thing. And the reason yeah. I say that is because, um, you know, my parents got married at 20, but like, you know, I got married at 20, but I think it was because I felt comfortable doing it because they had done it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, versus like my kids, they're not getting married probably because by then my family won't believe in it anymore. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I think I do still believe in marriage on some level, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's a cultural thing. How old were your parents when they got married? So my parents were in, uh, they just both had finished college. So they were 23-ish. Um, but then what's interesting is like, so my grandparents, I think on both sides, were very young. Like in the, somewhere in the like 18-ish range, 18 to 20. Well, sure. Like my, the one side of the grandparents, they're like five years apart. So 17 yeah. to 23 or 22 or something. But very young. Um, but I was talking to my aunt about this topic and she said that I think it's my great grandparents that were in their 30s actually. Wow. And she said something about 
that like part of the reason that they didn't get married until later in life had something to do with like they were both very much into the ministry at the time like Mm -hmm. ministry church all that goes so many generations back um so i guess that was the only part to me that was kind of interesting which is also cultural but also may just have been a personal thing at the time but i mean i didn't I think for sure what I agree with what you said. Like if it was probably comfortable because it was what we knew it was what our parents did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess when I look back at that, I think my parents were very, again, can't speak for them, but I think they were pretty confident in like, if I felt good about it, that they right. felt confident in me. And they so trusted I, you. Yeah. They trusted me. Yeah. yeah. So like, I don't, fault them for that like I think I felt like that was the right thing and I I'm not saying it wasn't the right thing I think I just didn't know any better and I think it'd be interesting to look back had anybody given me any pause and because it didn't happen yeah whatsoever like yeah nobody yeah so I think that part is interesting to me to just think like had a friend not not even in college not a college nobody was like but what if you just like, you know, got, you know, yeah, lived together because I, I really truly think so much of it, regardless of whether anybody wants to admit it, um, has to do with sex. Like I think, you know, before we get into that big topic, I, which is a huge part of this for me, um, I think another part of this getting married so young is like we're taught from a young age, growing up in the denomination, or just, I guess, kind of as a Christian, maybe this is taught across the board, I don't know, I can't see for other denominations, um, that there's this idea of, like, the one, or a soulmate, or things like that, and and I guess my question to you would be, what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe in the one or a soulmate? No. So (laughs) growing up, um, in my family church, everything, they actually would never use the word soulmate specifically Mm -hmm. because that word was almost like evil. Oh, true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Like specifically the idea of soulmate, um, was a little bit evil, but the idea of the one, yes. Um, so with me and my ex-husband though, we never, um, we actually from the beginning never believed the idea that there's just one person for anyone. We Mm -hmm. were very open with each other about that, that we don't believe. I agree. I think we were that way too. We're, I'm that way now. And I was then that it was like, no, there's not just one person for anyone. Like you could be compatible with a lot of people. However, Mm -hmm. then, and even a little bit now, I can be a bit rigid when it comes to the idea of marriage that I do believe and at least romanticize the idea that once you choose someone and you have picked them as your one and you've chosen them in marriage, I am a bit rigid that like, okay, well, that's that. Do you think that's because of your upbringing though? Um, certainly, but I also think that's kind of the like basic premise of marriage as well. Sure. People like as a whole, like there really isn't much point to marriage outside of like, yes, there's, you know, financial benefits and societal (laughs) benefits and all that stuff. But outside of it, just purely from the romanticized side of it, um, there's not much point in the idea of marriage if you don't believe that choosing one person is meant to be the one, that one person. No, I, I follow that. I get that. Like I, I think when I think about back to choosing Curtis or us choosing each other I remember thinking that he would always like if we didn't get married or if we didn't choose each other for some kind of long-term version of whatever that looked like 
that he was the person that if I met somebody else, and I did date a few other people, that I would always wonder. Oh, yeah. He would have been your, like, the one who got away. Totally. Yeah. And so I think for me, that was that thought, even though I was so young, that if I'd rather err on the side of, like, could there have been somebody more compatible? I don't know. And that's another conversation. But at the time, and it, it just, it was that thing that solidified that for me. And I, I agree. We never, I don't remember us ever being like, we're soulmates. Like, yeah. I think we had this inkling of like, there's something that draws us to each other and why we keep coming back. And, but I don't for a second think like, oh, there's one person yeah. for you out there. Yeah. And I don't all. believe that even now. I don't think there's just one person no. um, for life. Like, I, th- I think that's been demonstrated over and over again. But then you do meet those certain couples who, you know, if if you're going to believe in the concept of a soulmate, they seem like they're soulmates. And you can't imagine them with other people. I have people like that in my life who I can't imagine with other people ever in life. Yeah. Like it would devastate me. <laughs> yeah. So, and but I think that's also because me. you only know those people together. Yes, but it's also because they're so great together. It's not just yeah. because they're together, period. Like there are some people in my life who are together who I don't think should be. Mm. you know or maybe not even that that's a little far to say I don't know everybody's situation but where I'm like if if y'all broke up nobody'd be surprised that type of situation yeah yeah but then there's other people where if they did break up like I would be floored for me like I think what I was always looking for and am in life is I just I've always wanted like a grand love story yeah we all want that I mean I think that's beautiful okay so even though I know neither of us really think that there is the one or the soulmate I think the part that's frustrating with how we were raised you know I'm sure you had people in your life or in youth group or things like that that you came across who they were having sex in high school because a lot of people were having sex in high school and somebody gets pregnant yeah and then all of a sudden the right thing to do is to get married right But yet we had been taught in the church, or at least the church I grew up in, and I'm not saying my mom and dad taught me all of this. A lot of this, I think what's tough is like, even though, yes, we have parents who guided us through life, we were also in church like a million times a week. And if it wasn't always for me, my dad was not always the pastor. Mm -hmm. It was different times in my life. It was, he was and wasn't, and we were different things. Um, And my perception back in high school was oh, you get married because, you know, that's the right thing to do. But then you then that brings into the, the whole question, so what, because you had sex and had a baby, now they're the one for you. Right. Like. Like that, like engraves it in stone or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you found them. Like. Yeah. They, they got through the birth well, control you know what or whatever. It is. Well, the thing, the whole thing about that is, I think the idea behind it is it almost like undoes the sin. Like it, it's like a, it's like an totally. over, the thing is, it's like, is it correction for the sin to them? But what it really is, is an overcorrection. Yes. And what you're doing is headed for absolute disaster most yeah. of the time. Not always. There are stories. I know people, I know some specific people, but as a whole, if you know, that's, it's I not think a that's, great way to start your love story. No. And I don't know that it is the start of a love story. It's a start of shame. It's a start of your scarlet letter. It's a start of undoings. It's the overcorrection. It's, um, it's kind of sick that that is the expectation, I think. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's like, look, there are probably m- many, a couple out there that were in love and maybe they did get pregnant and 
maybe they were meant to be together. But there's also probably just as many, if not more, people who were teenagers and having sex and they got pregnant and thought that the right thing to do was to get married and they get married at 18 and they're divorced at 20 and then it's like okay cool now you have a divorce under your belt and then that in our denomination our upbringing was like well now that's another scarlet letter now not only did you have sex not only did you have a baby now you're divorced oh yeah it's like one of the worst things yeah you can yeah (laughs) it's like the triple threat the triple threat you're (laughs) it's the triple threat of sin (laughs) yeah yeah, I think what that does, though, and something that you had said was that it does, like, oh, you got pregnant, whatever, so now you're getting married. What that does is it makes the people surrounding them feel better. Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's like, oh, my God, okay, like, we're, don't worry, we're covering this up, it's fine, it's Like, they're fine. getting married, it's yeah. gonna be okay. Oh, yeah, it's totally fine, and what that means, like, they're getting married, so it's like, oh, once you have sex with somebody, you're basically married to them anyway, because God sees you as a union, which was a whole thing. Oh, if you have sex with more than one person in life, then God um, sees you as being unified with all of them. Yeah. So then when you have sex with this- any every person, so now yeah. you only have a little piece of you left for your husband. Exactly. And so if you, like, sex with person one two three whatever then like part of you is still with number one which means that like basically you've gotten divorced over and over again yeah I was taught that yeah if you have sex with more than one person God or if you have sex with one person period whoever it is married or not God sees you as married that's how God sees you now that you've had sex he sees you as married and now if you have sex with anyone else he sees you as divorcing that person and dishonoring your marriage interesting that's insane that yeah yeah. Think about that. I didn't, I don't know if I had, I don't know that I thought it to that extreme. I definitely fe- felt like though the whole, like a p- the word, like a piece of yourself oh, yeah. sticks with me of like, yeah. so basically by the time, like, let's say you have sex with seven people in high school or college, then it's like, oh, you just have this sliver of yourself left. It's like seven is an interesting number because it's like a horcrux situation. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> it's very, uh, Harry Potter of you. Yeah. <laughs> And that is exactly how I can imagine it, though. Like, think about that even as an analogy. It's like there's all these little pieces of you out in the world that are being held inside of another, you know, a horcrux. It is. It's a great analogy. Wow, Brittany. I'm having like a profound moment with this. (laughs) But that is how it is. And here's what I'll say about that as a whole. So I was having a conversation with a friend recently who um, we're really getting in here. And you can cut this if it's too uncomfortable, okay? No, go for it. But I was having a conversation with a friend recently who it's, you know, a bit of a crude thing to talk about, but we're talking about numbers, like how many people you've been with and Mm -hmm. things like that. And she was, you know, saying it's very, very low for her and she doesn't have a particularly religious background or anything, but, but for her, um, it, it is like sacred. And I do think that there is something to that still. And maybe that's part of my upbringing, but I do think there is something sacred to sex. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me personally, I don't think it's something that I could like share with all these different people all the time. And if you can, wow, cool. Like you must have a really colorful life and that's awesome, I guess. But I, that's not something, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with my upbringing, but it also has a lot to do with um, how I probably overly attach to people too. Mm, Interesting. Where I, I am so afraid of abandonment and I seek security and all these different things. And I, you know, had that for a long time in my marriage. Yeah. Um, so once the marriage was over, I like still crave, I still craved what I always wanted. Yeah. The security in like one person. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also like the, the difficult part about marriage is that, um, like inevitably it totally, you totally, it can get stale. 
Yeah. I mean, well, and I think like going into, if you think, if we're talking about like sort of the sex part of things, I I mean, to kind of lead into, if we just take a moment to talk about sex is so nobody's going to usually says it. Nobody said it to me or, but I feel like everybody thinks it is, it's a huge reason why people think you should just get married because if we're already been together for forever then you might as well just get married because then you're not having sex out of wedlock premarital sex it's like the ultimate sin nobody's gonna say that but that is exactly how it feels i know this may not be the words you're being that are being preached from the pulpit but that is how it felt growing up and it's like you know gluttony oh not a problem but like you have sex you're going right, to hell. Right. And the thing is, I I think the amount of pressure that put on a lot of teenagers at my age, and I'm I'm gonna just say this now, like I have no idea. We've not been in church for several years now. I am not a teenager. I don't know what the current church culture looks like. So mm-hmm. I'm only speaking from a 33-year-old woman who you know, was involved in a church, some of it in America, some of it in South Africa, and it's my experience, so it's fine. Um, but there, you know, I I remember my parents actually ta- having, like, we didn't talk a lot about sex, but um, I don't remember this coming from them so much, to be totally honest. I feel like it came more from the church was, yeah, because so much of my formative years were like in youth group and in like that Mm -hmm. church and that didn't really have to do with my parents specifically um but just like the whole you know the promise ring and all these things about the committing to purity and I think the biggest issue is that if you're gonna get married and commit to somebody for life sex is a freaking huge part of your relationship and what you hear as a teenager is how you should abstain from it and and all the things like it could bring you and yeah once in a while they'll be like yeah it's it's pleasurable for it's for the marriage bed and all these very sort of terms that don't really have a practical application as a teenager but what that really did was you get married at 20 and you have some like problems huge some big problems in your marriage and i'm not i'm not going to speak for all 20 year olds who were raised evangelically getting (laughs) evangelically like in an evangelical church who got married but i can speak for many of them who we have talked over the years or went to college together this is a big problem it's a big problem well you have been told don't touch each other don't whatever um, stay separate. And then when you're allowed to be together, you don't know what the hell to do. No. And, and you have been told it's wrong for so long that just because you're married doesn't mean that you don't feel like it's still wrong. Just because all you did, I like I'm a very practical person and I, Curtis and I have talked about this so many times because to be just real, like this has been a huge problem for us yeah. like over the years. Just like And when I say problem, I'm talking about, like, a guilt, an issue of, like, a mental... uh, It's a mental block. Block. A mental block that is so difficult to forge through. And I feel like we're there now, but I'm... I mean, we've been married for 13 years, and we're talking it took years to get over this. And I'm, I'm sure part of it 
there's a part personality, mm-hmm. there's a part upbringing, there's a part, there's lots of parts to it. So I'm not blaming yeah. it all on, on church, but it is, it was a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, and I like the practical side of me goes, look, you could have told me till I'm blue in the face that like, you know, sex is supposed to be pleasurable, you know, from the pulpit and that's for a marriage bed and blah, blah, blah. And so then what you do is we arrive at a church one day. So we've been told, don't have sex, 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 don't have sex. I can't tell you how many times I should say, don't have sex. (laughs) Then we decide to show up at a church one day with all our friends and family, stand up on an altar, yeah, say I do. And now that night, all of a sudden, cool, go for it. Yeah, totally. You'll have no problems. Bizarre. There's, you know, just like, cool it's yeah. all a free-for-all now right and it's like what a mind fuck completely like, it is completely just, it is. just putting it out there just saying yeah and something that you touched on a second ago was like oh it wasn't necessarily overtly your family telling you this it was the church um yeah the church is making it easy for parents to not have these conversations with their kids because they're doing it for them with guilt and shame and fear tactics and so a lot of at least growing up evangelical you know your parents didn't have to tell you overtly because you learned it in church every sunday that you're going to hell if you do this yeah so it was understood yeah they don't have to tell you directly it's understood yeah we're all on the same page that if you do this you're going to hell and if you don't repent before the sun goes down and go to bed and like die in your sleep yeah that you know because they're just kids dying in their sleep all the time apparently <laughs> you're gonna get oh mine was always like oh you're gonna get hit by a bus you're gonna get hit by a truck every day yeah. oh what if i get in a car accident and like Ugh. what just as you're saying that i feel like it, it's like i can hear all the pastors in my upbringing going i never for me yeah. i never said those direct words you're going to hell but it's like, you don't have to say the, the words. The wages of sin is death. Yes. Like, how many times do you have to yes. read that verse? You don't have to say the words to imply that feeling, that message. And I think that's the most dangerous part. It's, I think, a lot of people, I think, if they were to sit one-on-one, might be, might say to me, I didn't intend to say that. That's not what I meant. And I'm like, that's great that you didn't intend that, that is not the message that was conveyed. And I also don't think that they they would be being honest about that either. Yeah. I think that's exactly what is meant to be conveyed. Did you personally experience any kind of guilt when it came to getting married and sex and all of those things? Like, was that an issue at all for you? Well, I just felt like, okay, I was supposed to keep myself private and abstain from this forever. And now that we're married, like you said, it's supposed to be a free-for-all. I'm supposed to be, um, I'm supposed to like, feel sexy even though I wasn't two days ago yeah and I'm supposed to feel um desirable and I'm supposed to um have no shame it doesn't work like that it doesn't it's not like you get married and oh like the cloak comes off in fact the opposite happens it goes on yeah if you had in this scenario where you grew up like no sex no sex and now you're allowed to um yeah it was the mindfuck was the perfect way to put that yeah and we had lots of fights about it and then we would have like a period of things going well and I remember a period like young in our marriage where the only way that I could be like my authentic self (laughs) without the shame and fear and guilt and still feeling sinful was if I was drinking Yes. Like if we had sex after we had like gone out and had like a few drinks or whatever and came home and we were feeling 
like the age that we were, you know, 22, 23 years old and feeling fun and all these things, then I was good. Yeah. And I remember feeling a lot of guilt about that because drinking is its own thing. Yeah. Oh, that's its own other Exactly. That's its own thing. But like, I was like, oh my God, like at least it's making me feel. And it wasn't, the thing about it was it wasn't inauthentic. I felt more authentic. Yeah. You felt like, like, oh, this is who I am. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it became almost like a crutch. Yeah. That like, okay, like you want to have sex with your husband, this person you love. And the only way I felt comfortable doing it was like, you know, inebriated. No, I, I, I understand that. I, understand. I, th- I feel like that speaks to a lot of another thing not to keep. It's not like a blaming the church thing, but I think there's a responsibility that is there that they that should be taken um, of just this sort of like we're not taught personally. I don't feel like we're taught how to be vulnerable and maybe this is like maybe you have to be brought up in a home where that is shown as an example in order to learn that Mm -hmm. but I think even in church it's like we always put there's the facade it's the facade you show up in your in your Sunday best and like we're putting on the thing and like and maybe a lot of people don't think this way but I remember even in high school thinking like oh we just all show up and we're gonna do we're going to be here and be our best. And it's like, this is when we show up for God and all these things. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you're not taught how to be vulnerable with people, it not even like in a sexual way, I'm just talking about like in relationship with people. Yeah. How do you expect to understand or know or have the tools how to be vulnerable with someone that you're committing your life to, you're going to be intimate with in, in, you're going to be intimate with in the most intimate way, but like it just makes no sense to me where I'm like, I don't know. And again, I, I I know I said it earlier, but I think I know personality plays a lot into that too, but it's just such a huge thing. And I, I mean, again, speaking from after 13 years, it is still a thing. It's yeah. still a thing. We've mostly overcome so much of it, but it is so frustrating to know the amount of time lost from this issue of like the, having this feeling of going, well, if we had just had sex with other oh, people totally. before getting married or if we had even like, each other, even each other before getting married. Yeah. Like, and I guess like I, I'll just put it out there for me is like, we didn't have sex before we got married and I regret that. I do. Like, I 100% regret it. Yeah. And it's only because of the fact that I think it, it put this, it put it on a pedestal to the point where it was a detriment to our relationship and for a very long time. Yeah. And it's not something that, I mean, I'm literally talking about this on a podcast, putting it out there for the world to see, but it's like, I didn't even feel like there was anybody to talk to about it unless it was like a friend going through that because people didn't talk about this stuff like it's not talked about that's one of the early things you and I connected about so deeply was we're like oh my god we're dealing like we're going through this at the same time you were one of the first people that I was like oh I because I was like something's wrong with me yeah something's wrong with me there was like one other person from college that had kind of been a little bit open with me about it yeah and that's you know people I think being vulnerable which is for me, a part of even this podcast is just like some of this is going to be hard stuff to talk about. This yeah, is, it is we're being very open and vulnerable on this. Mm-hmm. And when I remember 
like part of me can kind of see it talking to you about this and trying to be like, yeah, we were like sitting in the parking lot outside of your apartment in Toluca Lake. And then we decided to go get lunch together. I remember the lunch part. That's the part that to me, I remember. Where did we go get lunch though? Bob's? Yes. Did we go to Bob's Big Boy? We did go to Bob's Big Boy. <laughs> I remember that. Nice. And just kind of going like, you have to have somebody to just sort of ask the question. It was absolutely go, a like, oh, oh, this is you, me too. Like, oh my God, this is exactly yeah. what I'm going through. And we got married like six months apart, you and I. Yeah. It's, and it's just, you don't know. I really, for the longest time, thought something was wrong with me. And not that I don't yeah. have my own personal, like, personality issues, but... And well, let me tell you something on that too, is I, I don't mean this in any which negative way. In a certain way, there was something wrong with you. Yeah. Me no, too. Totally. There was something yeah. wrong with me because we were taught to be a certain way and we didn't know how to undo it. Yeah. So like a p- problem was created and yeah. it's not there's something inherently wrong. No, sure. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Like it's not a matter of worthiness or anything like that, but it's like, no, like this part of our humanity was a bit broken. Yeah. And that is, that's a problem. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't just us. I mean, you're in a marriage. Like, there's two sides to it. Um, there's a, so much um, understanding that if you're a male f- in a heteronormative relationship in a, you know, evangelical situation, if this was your story where you, you know, were virgins and you get married and whatever, where n- women bear a, a lot of brunt of the shame, but also m- the men don't have any understanding of, like, why almost even though they're taught the same things yeah but there a lot of it is placed on the woman yeah the woman is the temptress the woman caused the man to sin or fail yeah. so something happens like and we're the ones who can get pregnant yeah you know what i mean the man can't yeah so like you're the one walking around with the belly if you get pregnant at 16 yeah. whatever so we carry so much more i think of that i agree and i think again to go to to keep going on to that is like I think with the vulnerability thing, it's also not understanding how to experience pleasure. Yeah. Because. At all. I mean, I know, this, I know this is getting real, real guys and real raw, but I, I remember just thinking like, I felt so guilt. It's like, okay, yeah, we're married and yeah, we signed the contract. So this is not supposed to be wrong. And then you're, you know, like, sure, have sex. And it's like, so now, but pleasure and an orgasm, all these things, it's like, it's just this feeling of guilt and feeling like it's wrong. And that I don't know. And I don't know what it is about that. that Well, it also goes, it almost goes from like, oh, um, you think when you get married, you get to have sex. But then once you are married in that situation, it's like, oh, no, now you're supposed to have sex. Yeah. So the it's not this exciting thing that you're choosing to do anymore. It's almost like you must do it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. And it's I feel like it's not I, – I envy, and I know grass is greener, but I'm like people who slept around or like had experience and I didn't. I'm like, oh, like you would have experienced that. And so then like going into marriage or something, it's like – no, this is just this beautiful thing that is what, when I think about churches, I'm like, I know in their intentions, they're probably wanting to be like, no, this is just this beautiful thing that you get to experience when you're married. And I'm like, but that's not how it's communicated. Mm-mm. Terrible communicators. And, <laughs> and at the end of the day, like if you're not, that's a really hard thing to communicate. And I get that too. Um, I, it's just a tough, it's a tough conversation to have so much so that I'm like, 
you know, when I think about my kids and stuff, I'm like the whole staying pure or like whatever before marriage. I'm like, I no. I feel like the amount of issues I went through after being married, I'm like, I don't know what's worse, but I feel like maybe at least being able to not feel shame about exploring your body and, and understanding just like literal physical things like, oh, you touch your, you know, this happens when you touch your body. Yeah. You experience this. It's just purely physical. It has nothing to do with your, God or spirituality. Yeah. or not. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that's a part where I'm like, it's not even, if you just could understand that this is okay or this is what happened, then yeah. the guilt could be removed. But Well, it's, on that question though, here's the curiosity I have for you because yes, I do think that it is like it is biological, it's physical, it's all these things. But do you think sex is sacred? defined sacred do you think that sex should or should not be um freely shared it still sounds like a too broad of a question like okay so well, I'll, well like, let me answer it and okay see. so yeah. for me um for me there's a certain level with sex that it is sacred and okay. so i am unable to <laughs> like i could not go out in the world and sleep around um, sure, openly yeah. personally I wouldn't be able to and I think again something I mentioned earlier is I feel like I just get too attached to people yeah and nobody wants to do that <laughs> I don't I certainly it's don't very want to intimate. It's, it's the most intimate exactly thing. so yeah. like intimacy is intimacy in and of itself whether or not it's sex is intimacy sacred yes yeah but I I will say so I yes the answer I think mostly is yes but yeah. what I think is I think there is a line where when we talk about words like, to be honest, I don't, like sacred gives me a little bit of like the heebie-jeebies also, even though I know it. Because it feels like such a Christian word, right? It does. Yeah. Um, And not heebie, I mean, it sounds so dramatic, but it's like, it just, I don't have a, I need a practical application when you say words like that, where I'm like, what are you meaning? Are you meaning like, let's not sleep with 10 people let's not sleep with 50 people let's sleep with two people like you know what like, are you like even like just a very simple oversimplified word but special like if yeah. it's special um yeah you know would you but do you feel so the way that I feel about it is if somebody is able to be and this might sound condescending but if you're able to be detached enough that it doesn't feel sacred or intimate in that way um, for you, I'm like almost impressed. I'm almost no, like, no, wow, no. good very, for you. No, it's but very I, special. I'm yeah. very sacred. Yeah. In that way. But I don't think it is for everyone. I think for some people it comes down to just like physical. Um, and, but I, I don't know how, I don't know but how, be, I don't know how people that, can be that way. In a way. Yeah. That's what I'm be- saying. I'm impressed by yeah, it. Yeah. Because I think I would rather, and again, grass is greener, but I would rather have an understanding of like, oh, this is how my body is supposed to feel in this engagement with another person. Uh-huh. Then this feeling of even when I've committed to the person that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with, I can't engage fully as myself because I don't even understand what that looks like. Right. And when I try to do that, I still feel guilty. Not, not now, but like, it it's just, there's it, like collateral damage. There's so much collateral jam- damage that, I, and I don't know what it looks like because I can only speak from my perspective, but that I feel like I would rather have the side of some experience or or maybe it's a thing of like, oh, you're engaged to somebody. 
have sex i don't know you're already committed to this person all you're gonna do is stand up before people yeah it just feels like this thing that is elevated to such a degree that then if you don't handle it in the right way and maybe it's done in other places i don't know maybe this is i'm an anomaly i don't know but it just feels like such a detriment and now having been married for 13 years sex is a huge part of your relationship and I just think you know Curtis and I I think are very compatible in terms of personality like we're very different but I think we complement each other we get along really well we're best friends like all these things and I think the way we were raised in our upbringing when it comes to this part of intimacy like if if we're uncomfortable with using the sex or orgasm or all these very raw terms like just the word intimacy Mm -hmm. I don't think we're taught how to do that. And and I'm not even blaming anybody. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I think it's something that's a... It is a difficult thing to, I don't know, teach somebody. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden you're expected to figure that out, having already committed to somebody for life. I know. So <laughs> it just seems like maybe we should have figured this out if it's like such a huge part of your relationship and i understand why the other argument is like well but then if you try it out with a million people then like you make decisions and then you don't want to be with that person i'm like well maybe you shouldn't be with that person because maybe you're not compatible with that person yeah i'm not saying this about curtis at all i think we both have similar hang-ups where we're just like like i don't i don't know you know Something I feel like you and I talk about is um, often is, you know, we're 33, 32. We got married at 20 and we look back and we're like, we're still us, but we're such different people. Yes. And so, you know, that's just in 13 years. We live, you know, by the time we're old people, we're going to live to be like 150. I'm convinced. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Like we're on our way. But um who you are now I don't know why I just like full-on stammered like new new um (laughs) full-on stammer do you think that if you and your husband met each other now in your life and you didn't know each other before whatsoever if you met each other now on the street do you think that you would choose each other now who you are now that's a good question it's something I bring up to Curtis sometimes and I don't think he likes it he don't he doesn't like this question (laughs) like why are we talking it's like it's a moot point (laughs) I know and I think the answer is yes I think like there's parts of I think about me that Curtis would might find easier in somebody else um and there's parts about him that I'm like oh why can't you be more this it can be, be more that but it's also I think a lot of the things that we want in each other are things that are similar to our own personalities so we're wanting something that's just like what we identify with totally so you know when I'm like why can't you just say what you think or say what it's like because I just always yeah. say whatever's on my mind so I want him to just do that and yeah, that's why not can't you him. do things like I do them exactly yeah so when I look at it from that perspective I think at the end of the day the question the answer to the question would be yes um I think the part that's just like unfortunate for us but we're working on it is because we were so young, there are all these hangups that like, I wish we could just take and throw in the trash, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately that's not the case. And so it's something that we continue to work on and it's a continual thing. 
Um, and maybe it will eventually go away, but it's it's the cost, I think, that comes from getting married young. Yeah. And, and I think it's something that's both a beautiful thing to have seen us sort of evolve over the years. And I think for you, too. I mean, I know you were married for a long time, and yeah. you guys grew up together and like I was just thinking as we're talking I'm like we didn't even talk talk about that but we can talk about in the next one is kind of like what's the pros of getting married young and like what are the things that yeah you know when you were answering the question like why the hell did I get married so young it was like it seemed like the right thing and it seemed like you know you wanted to be married to your best friend you wanted to exactly do life with them and it didn't it's weird because like you I, I realize marriage means life but I also it was like you're I think we only see for me it was like I only saw parts of life in increments where I'm like I do, am thinking lifetime but right but I you're totally know, right. I think you think like you think like the next five, ten years, and then you assume that that's just like gonna kind of we'll reset, it out. yeah, and then it'll be good again. Like whatever, it just keeps going on. Um, but you have no, there's no con, you don't have a concept of what living those years is like. Yeah, you just, it's really a fantasy. Yeah, whether you're fantasizing totally. about it negatively or positively, typically positively in this scenario, but it really is a fantasy of what's to come. Yeah. A really important thing is that um, I didn't even know this until, are you ready for this? I didn't even know that this was a fact until my marriage was ending is how naive I was. That your brain is not fully formed until typically for women around 26, 27, men 27, 28-ish. Mm-hmm. Your brain is not done becoming a brain until those ages which, um, That's wild. wild, which perfectly coincided with the end of my marriage. <laughs> I um, hadn't, I didn't even think about oh, that. Oh, my, our marital therapist brought it up in therapy with us, which like this. she was terrible, by the way. <laughs> like, I, I would love to put this person on blast. Like, what, should be de-licensed if she even is licensed. One of the worst therapists of all time. Um, but she did bring it up in that, that, you know, well, how old are you? Oh, your brain is just finishing up right now. And um, that also on some level feels like an insult to me because it's like, oh, his brain finished forming and now he for sure, it's like the veil was lifted from his eyes and he's like, oh, I definitely don't want to be married to you. (laughs) Here, here comes in the dark sense of humor. Um, but that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. From my perspective, he said it was coming for longer than I could tell. But whatever. It doesn't make it, it any better. It doesn't make it any better for me. Like, for, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, everything happened over a three-month span of my life. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, like, I could go back, like, six or whatever and be like, ah, things were a little rocky. But he's like, oh, I was feeling this way for a couple of years. And I'm like, ah, that's a cool thing to keep to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting thing to keep yourself. Um, but anyway, I think that's something that's really interesting that kids don't know. I think if my daughter, son, ever came to me and said, I'm 20. I want to get married. I love her. I love him. Whatever the case may be. be like, child, your brain isn't done. <laughs> like you think that now. You need some more time. Yeah. Like finish the brain thing and then talk to me. Yeah. I think I really would be like that. Yeah. But like this is no fault of your own. And I'm not saying that your love is any less or anything because no. I want to be very respectful of my kids when they're teenagers and things like that. Like if you love this person, you really do. Yeah. At the capacity that you're able to love this person, you love totally. them. Totally. Totally. But you're not done. Yeah. I know. That's like something very, I feel very, 
maybe I could use the word sacred, but I, um, it's important to me is when my kids are teenagers and thinking like, I know it's so easy to be like, oh, they think they're in love. And it's like, no, I remember being 16, 17 and being like, oh, I feel like I know I'm going to marry Curtis. And I would be frustrated by it because I was like, I don't want to know this yet. I want to like still (laughs) enjoy life. And I don't, yeah, too soon. Like, why do I know this already? Um, But I know that the older I get, it'll probably be harder to look back and go and remember that. But I do think because we got married so young and we're high school sweethearts that hopefully I'll keep some of that perspective where you can go, I hear you and I see you and I'm, I'm not telling you it's not real, but like I would encourage you to take some time, maybe live together, do something yeah, before you. Just there's no rush. There's no rush. I think it's a big, that's great. That's a good point. I think that's like the biggest thing is like I felt in some way like it was like now or never. Like I, I remember having this feeling of, oh, if we break up. And this is before I knew he was going to propose. But like, oh, if we break up, like I might never see him again. I might not ever know him again. And that really broke my heart because I loved him so much. Yeah. I just had this feeling of like, I don't want to not know you. Yeah. I don't want to not know you. Yeah. And well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, life goes how it goes. But um, that's why, you know, I had a lot of excitement too about getting married. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, we're safe. I don't have to worry about not knowing you. Yeah. I love you. We're in this together. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about like looking for the next person because I think at, it feels very different in LA. Yeah. But I think where we were probably both different states, but like similar circumstances is I think even by 25, if you weren't like engaged or, or heading that, that way, people would be like, what's going on? on?" You know? And so I think a part of me getting ahead of that was like, oh, got it we're good we're moving forward we're onward right you know mark that off my list of life things to do even though like I very much was in love with Curtis am in love with Curtis and like wanted that but the rush part I look back and I go why and I didn't even feel rushed yeah but it felt but now looking back I'm like what was the rush why and I think the only answer to that is like oh, well, if we're going to live together and, like, we want to have sex or whatever, then I guess that's what we have to do. And that right. just seems so extreme. It is. It is To extreme. get married. <laughs> it is extreme. We're not wrong, Brittany. No. We are not wrong. Um, well, I'm not even halfway done talking about this, Britt. How about no, you? No, <laughs> because, I mean, last we heard, you were still married. So, I, I mean, no, not last we heard. But <laughs> there's a whole slew of things to come about – you know, post getting married at 20. And we knew that this was going to be a giant topic to cover. So in order to do that, we thought we would split it up and do a part one and a part two. I'm all about a split up. (laughs) Look at that dark sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not all about a split up, but splits happen. So um, yeah, on that note, let's split this thing right into, yeah. and we'll pick up where we left off on next week's episode. I know you guys are just chomping at the bit. <laughs> I am. I can't wait to talk. If you want to know all the dirt, all the details, we're going to get into, do we have regrets about our decisions? Would we recommend this to our kids? Do we think marriage is for everybody? I mean, so yeah. many things. Um, 
you know, we've also witnessed a whole lot of struggle with people at our age going through all kinds of things, whether they got married young or didn't. And we're going to talk about all of those topics next week. We sure are. So stay tuned and we appreciate you being here. We do. Subscribe, rate, share with a friend, all that stuff. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. And by soon, I mean for you guys in a week, for us right now. Woohoo! <laughs>